The reading today is from Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 27. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, so that they shall put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Here ends the reading. Uh, so this morning uh, we are blessed to hear uh, the Reverend Akil Gardner, who's a church planter out in Craigieburn, uh, come and share with us from God's Word. Uh, he's going to be talking a little bit about blessing and he's going to be helping us as a church as we think about mission uh, in this world and how God calls us to be his people of mission. So uh, let me encourage you to put your hands together and welcome him as he comes up to speak. Randall says, put your hands together, you all clapped, you didn't just pray for me like that. <laughs> well, there you go, I made it twice, it was just as funny the second time. <laughs> well, let's do that. How about we pray for you and for me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. The sun is out and shining, and thank you, Lord, that your sun is risen uh, in our hearts and reigning in our hearts and reigning in this place by the Holy Spirit. God, bless us with ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us this morning. And we ask for the blessing in our hearts of knowing your voice, knowing your truth. And we ask for the blessing of courage to live out what we learn and hear from your word today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, I should have probably checked the order of my notes after the first service. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Am I starting there this morning? Well, as you've heard, um, I am a church planter, an Anglican minister. I've been an ordained Anglican ministry since 2017, uh, but been in Anglican ministry as a youth pastor, young adult worker, congregation pastor in the lay capacity since I was 21, so quite some time. Um, I live in Craigieburn with my wife, Sarah, and our 14-month-old son, Josiah, who are at home this morning and couldn't be here with us. And we also have two dogs. Um, first one's named Sir Edward Gardner I, also known as Ed. And uh, the second one we got, which um, we regretted later, but now love her too much to rehome her. Her name's Ellie. So, uh, yeah, we love our family very much, and we love the suburb we live in very much as well. But um, I didn't actually uh, live all that far from here, not that long ago. About 11 years, 12 years ago, I lived in Kew and Camberwell area. And um, about 11 years ago, uh, it was about a handful of years after my own personal conversion to Christ, that I began having a series of experiences out in the world where God had to convince me through experience what I knew to be true um, from book, but I needed to learn this in experience, that God was a people person. Let me say it again, God is a people person, he loves people, and he wants people to know that he loves them. And somehow, uh, he's happy for us to be caught up in that process of being the mailman who gets to deliver the love letter. So um, I'll share some of those stories with you, but I want to tell you one particular experience to start off with. I was working at a uh, Subway restaurant in Kew, 
all those years ago, while I was a student and while I was working at an Anglican church as a youth pastor part-time and studying at Bible College, I thought, oh, man, I probably can do fourth thing with my life. Why not? So I worked at the Subway restaurant in Kew. Uh, I was a young, young person and reasonably green in my walk with Jesus. But one day I was there. There was no one in the store. There was one other staff person at the back, no customers. And so I was busy cleaning away because, you know, when there's no customers in the store, you've got to look busy so the manager doesn't get cross at you. And I just distinctly remember hearing this sentence. Tell the next person who walks through the door that God loves his art. Not that God's really into art. Uh, you know, God, God loves his own art. Of course he does. He, he made it. Every, he made everything. He loves his own work. But what, what I heard in my mind and heart was to, the next person who was going to walk through those doors, I was supposed to tell them that God loved their art, his art. Anyway, I was like, you know, that's a really specific thing as well. I heard his art. So I'm like, okay, a bloke's about to walk through the door. And a few seconds later, a bloke walked through the door. I thought, okay, this is real now. And so, of course, it comes into where... How many of you have been to a Subway restaurant before? At least 50%, so you know what I'm talking about. You come in, you go and say, it says Q here, start here. And you go, what bread would you like? What meat would you like? What cheese would you like? Do you want it toasted or do you want it fresh? What salads would you like? And do you want any sauces on that? And um, you want salt and pepper? Do you want any drinks or cookies today? You know, I pretty much remember everything from... Have dreams about it, too. Um, <laughs> Anyway, we get to the counter the whole time I've been really professional and I've just not, I've not even gone there what I felt that the Holy Spirit had prompted me to say. Like, and I heard it again where at the counter I've taken this guy's money, put it in the counter and I heard, tell him God loves his art. And I, and I know he's about to walk out. He's still facing me at this point and I said, God loves your art. And he was like, excuse me? <laughs> He turns around and he's like, are you talking to, some, you're talking to me? He looked behind his shoulder to see if I was talking to someone else. I said, God loves your art. And uh, not only that, but God loves you too. <laughs> I was looking for the courage to say it and eventually I just kind of let it slip out. And it's amazing. I said these words and that day at Subway Restaurant in Kew, I watched a grown man um, descend into a puddle of tears. And he told me his name. His name was James. I've never met James again, but he told me his name was James and that he did Japanese pencil drawings, quite intricate drawings, and that no one really in his world was interested in them, so he just did them privately and didn't feel very encouraged in his artwork. I went on to share with James that not only did God know about him, and see the artwork he did, but God was also interested in him beyond his artwork. God saw him, knew him, loved him, and was interested in him as a person beyond even the artwork that God said that he loved. God was so interested in James, I told him, that God sent his son into the world to bring James into a relationship back with God. James stood there while crying, wondering what this all meant, and went away, and I was wondering what it all meant as well, and I never saw James again. I'm telling you that story because in this stage of life I was in, in my very early 20s, as a student at Bible college, studying in the Bible that God loved the world, I knew that because I'd become converted, I'd become a Christian, that I knew God loved me. But I'm like, does God really love people? 
Sometimes, you know, you get really grumpy and you're just like hostile to the world and you start to project that onto God and you're like, it's God really love people. And so I was kind of wrestling with these things. I was working as a youth pastor at the time going, mm, God, do you really love people? I know you say it in your word, but, you know, like, do you really love them? And I'm sharing this story with you because I was a young Christian. I was wrestling with these questions. I was wrestling with what God's love for people actually looked like. And he gave me an answer to these questions in the form of these experiences. Now, I know for certain God loved the world and he showed it to us by sending his son. I know that. But I also needed to see it for other people. And God gifted me a series of these experiences where I was overwhelmed with his love for other people. Just a side story. Um, we obviously live in Craigieburn, uh, where we're church planting, and occasionally, I forget the thing I'm talking to you about today, and I'll go and I'll take myself out for coffee. I'm like a kill. You're in work mode. You're a bit hostile towards the world. Go and have some quiet time. Go to a cafe. Sit down, and I people watch. And every time I feel like the the love tank for people in my suburb is is not full, I go and take myself to a coffee shop, and I sit down and I ask God that same question. God, do you really love all these people? And consistently, he answers with the overwhelming sense of his compassion and love and affection for the people he's made. Just a side note. So, I'm convinced that God is love and God also loves people. And he wants them to know that he loves them. And he's so happy. He's so happy for us to be involved in the process of showing other people that he loves them, of demonstrating to them and declaring to them his love for them. So 11 years ago, I decided, I made a decision. I am going to live a kind of life where the people around me could never be in doubt that God loved them and that God was good. I wonder if you could also make that decision today as a uh, follower of Jesus, as someone who's experienced the love of God, make a decision today. I want to live the kind of life in which no one who is in my vicinity could ever doubt that God loved them and that God is good. And so we're going to do an exercise to activate that, and we're going to use our words because we know that there's power in our words and our words can also guide our hearts. So we're going to say this together. Uh, and you can say it loudly, or you could say it to the level of volume you're comfortable with. <laughs> uh, you can repeat the words after me. I want to live the kind of life in which no one in my vicinity could ever doubt that God loved them and is good. I want to live the kind of life in which no one in my vicinity could ever doubt that God love them and is good. So that's a really great statement to anchor this talk in today because we are in the middle of a month at this church and thinking about mission. And so what better lens to come at mission than God is love, he loves people, and he wants people to know his love in Christ. Remember that it was out of an abundance of God's love for us that he sent Christ from heaven to save us from our sin. And so having been loved with that same love, having that same love in our hearts, we now overflow in thinking about, well, how do I help others experience and know and hear the love of God in Christ? 
In Craigieburn, God has called us to declare and demonstrate that love to a very particular group of people. It's all of Craigieburn and everyone in it. Those are the people I live and work amongst most days of the week, and that's who I'm called to. Wherever you live, wherever you work, whoever you live with, wherever you recreate, wherever you exercise, wherever you play golf, wherever you go to have your coffee on a weekly basis, whoever surrounds this church building, if you're part of this community, those are the people God has called you to demonstrate and declare his love to. And so today, this morning, we're talking about one particular way to do that. Now, there are many ways to do that. There are many ways, as we heard even in the advertising, perhaps you'll hear later on, there's a course coming up um, where you can learn how to articulate and share the gospel with people. But one particular way I want to talk to you about this morning is about blessing people so that they will see the face of God. That's the title of today's sermon, Blessing People So That They Can See the Face of God. Before we even get to the text this morning, this particular way of introducing people to God is what I call our first step in the process. It is non-confrontational. It is not hostile. It's not um, seeking to um, enter into an argument with people in any way. It's not seeking to convince them about anything in any way. It's simply... The message is to bless them so that God can move. So come with me to Numbers chapter 6 as we learn what it means to bless in such a way uh, that God turns towards the target of blessing. So Numbers chapter 6, verse 20 to 27, the text will come up on the screen behind me. And before we read the text, uh, let me just give you some orientation of where we are up to in the Bible at this point. Previously, it's like, you know, previously on numbers, ding, ding. Uh, in the pre preceding chapters, God is speaking to his people Israel, who he's just rescued out of Egypt. He's rescued Israel from slavery in Egypt through mighty acts of power and signs and wonders, and he's brought them into the desert where they're experiencing his provision and his power and now they're in the desert, and he's giving them instructions. This is how you should live. This is how you should set up the tabernacle, that place where you can come to meet with God, that tabernacle. He's giving them instructions of the priesthood, of what they should do, how they should conduct worship. So a lot, whole lot of elaborate instructions of how the people of God should live and how the priests among them should act. So in the middle of this set of instructions, at the end of Numbers chapter 6, we get this really instruction, interesting and curious instruction. And this is what God says to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his I think I just read that. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they will put, they the priests will put my name on the Israelites and I, God, will bless them. Quick recap, Aaron is Moses' brother. Moses is the prophet, Aaron is the priest. Aaron and his sons have been set apart by God to be priests among God's people. Priests in the Old Testament are these go-between people, the, the people who represent the people to God and represent God to the people. 
Because, see, there's a little problem in the Old Testament in that if you got too close to the manifest presence of God and you had undealt with sin, you could get zapped. So, God installed priests to be these go-between people. But even in the middle of this situation where you could get zapped by the holiness of God because of sin, God is setting up a way that in spite of people's sin, he can make his goodness and love towards them known. So despite people being able to come directly into the manifest presence of God, God is setting up a way where he can make his love known to them and his blessing known to them. You see, God is able to love people at the same time as being diametrically opposed to sin. God is able to love people while being opposed to sin. Uh, God is able to hold that tension really well together. Sometimes we as humans aren't able to hold that tension together where we, we do the love thing but we, we don't talk about sin or we just rail against sin and we forget how to love people. It's really challenging to hold those two things together, isn't it? But God is able to do that. And he is able to reconcile the problem of sin with his desire to love. and we, we know the answer to that, but we'll get to that in a moment. God loves people. Are you convinced? <laughs> if you're not, feel free to ask him. God, I don't feel like uh, I have your love for people in my heart. Please give me a sense of it. I'm convinced God loves people and he wants people to flourish. And one of those ways... Uh, is through this priestly blessing. So coming to this part of the Bible in Numbers chapter 6, where God says to the priests, the priests are to bless the people of Israel. And the way they would have done that is often by laying on of hands on the person's head or anointing them with oil and speaking words of blessing over the person. Now, interestingly, it's not just people that could be blessed and, and set apart in this way. Um, things could be set apart and blessed Places could be set apart and blessed as well. They would invoke the name of God upon a person, place, or thing, and God would follow his name and bless the person. Now, we've said the word bless several times, haven't we? How, how, roughly how many times do you think I've said bless already in this talk? 62. 66 books in the Bible. No, no. <laughs> 62, oh, well, I haven't counted. I could have done a spell check. But sometimes we say words so frequently that we forget what they actually mean or they lose meaning altogether or the edge of them is gone. Uh, like I said, I've got a 14-month-old son and currently he is in the imitate everything he hears parents say stage of life. And so any word that he can identify and articulate with his own mouth that he can do, he imitates us saying. So he will pick up all sorts of things like socks and then he'll keep saying socks. Shoes, 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 shoes. And it made me wonder, it's like, I wonder, you know, who decided to call a sock a sock one day? Which genius decided that that thing should be called a chair? I am really fascinated with where words come from, and, and having a son who just says a lot of words and imitates a lot of words has made me even more curious about, you know, what bright spark decided a spoon is a spoon? <laughs> uh, if, you're, if you want to nerd out, uh, you could look up a website called etymology.org. It will tell you where words come from, but that's a side note. Coming back to this word bless, uh, we're in an Anglican church. Our liturgy, our songs, our scripture readings, 
you know, the most common usage in public as well. You go, and what do you, everyone say? No, you say coronavirus. <laughs> no, 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 that's right. People sneeze, we say bless you. Uh, we have such interesting uses for the word bless. Or, you know, someone does something cute and we go, oh, bless. What does the word bless even mean? We kind of get the gist of it, but let's come to the Bible and see what the Bible says it means. Um, the word bless is, in the Old Testament, a Hebrew word, and it's called barak. Anyone know a barak? Who do you know? Blessed Obama. No. <laughs> Barack Obama. The word Barack means bless. So his name is Bless Obama. And you're like, you know, Bless Obama. I'm not actually proclaiming blessings over him. I'm just calling his name. So bless is the word Barack, which means to add strength, to add favor, to set apart or to mark for favorable treatment. So to bless something or someone is effectively to say, I'm going to imagine I'm blessing this stand. And for those of you watching at home, I've drifted off camera, I'm aware. Um, to bless something, is to, it's like you're painting a target on it so that it could be treated in a, in a special way. So that God will follow the target and follow through with blessing. So to bless someone in the name of God is to literally mark them in the eyes of God for favorable treatment by God. To paint a target on someone's head or someone's life so that the blessing of God could be unleashed. Think of a bow and arrow and a target. So God says, they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. God's saying, where his name is honored and where his name is placed and present, he will move to bless. So... You're really keen to learn about what blessing means. So in, in the process, you print out a little survey and take a clipboard and you go out into the streets of Baldwin North and you start asking people, we're learning about blessing at church. I'm just wondering, sir, ma'am, um, what do you think blessing, what does is, what is blessed mean? What do you think it is to have a blessed life? What sorts of responses do you think you'd get? What does it mean to have a blessed life? What are people on the street likely to say? Nothing goes wrong. Oh, they say they're not interested in the blessed life. Yep, lovely. What else are they likely to say a blessed life is? Wealthy and prosperous. So fat bank account and um, big house. Good health, yep. yep. Flash car, yeah, yep. So often we think of material things or often we think of relational things and, or, or circumstantial things when nothing goes wrong. But if we just look at the screen... And look carefully in verse 24 to 26, when the blessing is pronounced, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace, the Lord bless you. <laughs> There's the blessing right there in those verses. The blessing is the presence and closeness of God himself. The blessing of all blessings is not wealth, is not possessions, but is the presence of God. God causing his light to shine upon you. God causing his favor to be upon you. That is the blessing. So when these priests are praying that um, God would bless someone, what they're saying is that God would turn towards a person and be in close proximity with them. Because when that happens, there is a result in that person's life. And that result is often 
that last thing, peace, all-encompassing peace, shalom, peace in every aspect of a person's life and being. Can you just picture it? God with all his glory and majesty. Let's picture him wandering around this building. And he comes and stands in front of you, and you can sense his presence. That is likely to have an impact on your life. It is likely to have an impact on your whole being. When God moves toward a person, he starts to bring order out of chaos. He starts to bring peace where there is unrest. He starts to bring wholeness where there isn't. God turning towards a person for blessing is to say that God brings his whole being, his whole character to bear on that person. When God does that, amazing things happen. When God does that, transformation happens. When God does that, that is real blessing. God is the blessing. I wonder if we think about the time and place we live right now. I don't know how, much of, how many of you have tracked what's gone on in the media this week, but I don't think we've ever been at a time in our country as laden with challenge for Christianity, but at the same time laden with opportunity for Christianity. It's a time in the history of our nation at the moment where Christians are sometimes wrongly accused of things, but also sometimes rightly accused of things. What I mean by that is sometimes there are truths that are just unpleasant and we won't budge from them. Yet there are times where we have uh, misrepresented God while trying to overemphasize the truth that we won't budge from. So some, there are times where we're accused rightly and times where we're accused wrongly. But either way, we're in a time where the moral, political, social climate is full of challenge for what it means to be a believer in this day and age, which means that the challenge is high for sharing Jesus openly and publicly, but it also means that the opportunity has never been higher because now people are really interested and curious. Well, what do you really think? What do Christians really believe? At this time where we live in where there is this tension, where there's both opportunity and challenge, uh, what I want to teach us from this passage today is that there is a way for people to come, to, come into knowing God that is non-confrontational, non-hostile, there are ways as you progress through this journey of learning what it means to share Jesus where you might need to articulate some truths and have some conversations with some words. But what we're talking about from this passage today is actually a really, really easy way to start that process. And that process is being able to bless people so that they know Jesus. So come back with me to this passage. In number six, we've just heard that it is the job of the priests to bless the people to speak blessing over the people of Israel so that God would bless them in turn with his presence. That's in the Old Testament. We come forward into the New Testament in the pages of the Gospels. We meet this person who later on is called the Great High Priest. I wonder if you know who I'm talking about. The Great High Priest. Yes, I've heard. I was going to say, you know, starts with J, sounds like Jesus, but you got it right away. Jesus. <laughs> Well done. We meet Jesus in the pages of the New Testament, in the Gospels, and he is called the great high priest who comes into the world to bring the blessing of God into people's lives. 
God's presence into people's lives. He goes around marking people for favorable treatment. How does that look? One day he meets someone who's blind and he puts his hands on them and they experience the full force of God in the flesh turning towards them and something happens. He meets a woman caught in sin and he turns towards her and picks her up. What is she experiencing? She is experiencing the blessing of God in the flesh turning towards her the full force of who God is and his character and nature and his presence bearing upon this woman. And he says, go and leave your life of sin. She's just experienced blessing. When God turns towards people in the person of Jesus and he speaks blessing, be that leaving the life of sin or being healed or being set free from all sorts of things, that person has just experienced the blessing of God. That happens in the Old Testament through the priests. It happens in the Gospels through the great high priest that is Jesus. We have experienced, if you're in Christ, you've experienced the blessing of God having turned to you through the face of Jesus. You have been set free from the power of sin. You have been pardoned for sin. You have been brought into God's near presence, even in spite of sin. Because in Christ, God has reconciled our sin And his overwhelming desire to love us, (laughs) he has dealt with it on the cross. But it doesn't end there. There's a pattern forming throughout the Bible. The pattern we see right from the start in Genesis 1, that people have a close access to the presence of God. God walked with Adam and Eve. God chose Adam and Eve and said to them, be fruitful. He blessed them, in fact, it says. He blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the whole earth. Bring order and flourishing to the whole earth. Then God chose a man named Abraham and he said, I will choose you. I bless you and I will bless your offspring and you will be a blessing to the whole world. Then God chooses the priests within Israel. He chooses the nation of Israel to be a blessing to the world. Then God sends his son, Jesus, who is a blessing to us and calls us into a relationship. But the pattern doesn't end there. If that were it, the blessing would end with us. We'd say, excellent. But there's an interesting thing where you look around, we're still here in the flesh. There's a reason why when you and I came to Christ and we were born again, we didn't get whisked away into heaven immediately. Surely you've got to wonder at some point, right? It's like, I became a Christian at age 19. Why am I still here? It's not a punishment. It's because God has a plan. And he's been working this plan since page one of the Bible. And the plan doesn't end with us, but it works through us. We are to be a blessing to the world. In fact, the Bible uses this language of priesthood to describe us as believers. In 1 Peter 2.9, we are called a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen people, a treasured possession, a people unto God. He goes on to say in this letter in 1 Peter that once you were not a people, But God has now made you a people. Once you were in darkness, but now he's called you into his marvelous light. And we all go, that's amazing. And then Peter says, so that you may declare his marvelous deeds. God has done all these things for us because he loves us. But somehow we are caught up in the process of declaring and demonstrating that love to others. And so we are called a royal priesthood. Now, we read in Numbers 6. The job of the priest, to pronounce blessing. In Christ, the job of the great high priest, to pronounce blessing. In Christ, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Well, what do you think the job of the 
the royal priesthood is going to be exactly the same. To be a people of blessing, to bring the blessing of God, the face of Christ, to bear upon whomever we are interacting with, wherever we may be. That is our job. And that is our calling. And that is our mission. It's a very non-threatening, non-confronting way of bringing God, he's already there, but bringing God with us through our words and actions to bear on people's lives. We can do that with our words and actions. We can do that with individuals one-on-one, and we can do that with whole communities. It's something we've been trying out up in the north in Craigieburn. Let me tell you a bit about Craigieburn. I think um, I was here about a year ago, maybe, uh, talking within the same month about our work in Craigieburn. So we have church planting in Craigieburn. We've been there for since the middle of 2018, July 2018, my wife and I, and at that time our one dog, moved up to Craigieburn uh, to live there and to start the work of church planting. And while we were moving there, people said all sorts of interesting things to us. Firstly, they're like, you're going to crazy burn, you're going to get stabbed. (laughs) Or someone's going to firebomb your car in the driveway. (laughs) Uh, And at the time in the news, there were those things going on. So they were not uh, unfounded things to say to us. But what was more interesting is that Christians were saying to us, why would you go and start a church there? That's where church plants go to die. (laughs) We thought, wow. Really encouraging, thank you. We feel so ready to take on this work of God. Now, we, we, we were convinced that God had called us to go there and plant this church. So despite all the encouragement, <laughs> uh, we, we moved there with a small team of people. And very quickly we realized that Craigieburn was known as hard ground because it was, in fact, hard ground. Uh, there, was not, uh, there were not uh, people waiting just to hear the good news and respond on the streets. We imagined we would arrive, you know, on a cloud of power and revival would hit the streets and people would just be repenting all over the shopping center. Um, It didn't happen. And we thought, wow, this is strange. (laughs) So we thought, okay, we need to start bringing the presence and blessing of God into this community and how are we going to do that? One of the ways we did that as a team was to prayer walk around our communities, our streets, our shopping centers, and to just simply pronounce blessing over every person who passed us, every shop that we passed, every establishment that we passed, every school that we passed, every institution. What that looked like over two years ago was a friend of mine and I would walk through the shopping center and we would stop outside each shop and just pray blessing. Lord, we bless this shop, we bless everyone who works in it, we bless everyone who Uh, the person who owns it, we ask for their flourishing. We ask, Lord, and we bless the the doors to their heart, that their doors would be open not just to customers, but the doors to their hearts would be open to you and to us and to your presence and work in their lives. God, we bless this place with disruption by your presence, by your word. God, be gracious to them. We've been doing that ever since. Occasionally, someone might stop us and ask, what are you two doing? You're just always here at the same time every week, muttering, wandering around. Uh, recently, a um, Muslim shopkeeper stopped us and said, oh, what are you guys doing? He said, oh, we just wander around praying blessing over our community. He's like, oh, could you pray for my business and pray blessing for me? And so we did. Another person in our church, um, a person in his 60s, he's got a dog, moved into the northern suburbs about 12 months ago. 
And if you say, well, look, this is something, uh, one way to go around starting the work of mission in your community. And so what he does is he takes his dog for a walk every day, sometimes four times a day because he just loves walking his dog. Uh, if you... If you have a dog, this is a great way to do this. You take your dog. He's taking his dog. His name's Lauren. He doesn't mind me telling you his name, so his name is Lauren, and he always insists that is a man's name, uh, but that's, that's another story for another time. Uh, Lauren takes his dog for a walk, and he, when he arrived 12 months ago in the northern suburbs, he said, God, I thank you for the street you've placed me in. I bless this street with the knowledge of your presence. I bless this street to know you. I bless the relationships in this street. And he walks outside each person's house and he stops because when you have a dog, the dog can kind of sniff the grass and pretend like there's a good reason to stop outside someone's house. It's fantastic. And outside each house on his street, Lauren prays, God, I bless this house and everyone who lives in it. I bless the doors to this house that it would be open to, to me, that's Lauren, and be open to you, that the doors of their hearts would be open to you. And so Lauren's been doing this for 12 months. Over time, Lauren gotten to know most neighbors because they all come out and goes like, who is this guy? Is he like four times a day standing outside our house with his dog? And they've built relationship with Lauren. Of course, you, there's a way to do this that's not threatening or creepy. Um, and they've built relationship with Lauren. He's gotten to know their names. He's gotten to know their stories. Over time, they've started to share things about their lives with Lauren, things of challenge, things of pain, places where there isn't shalom. And Lauren is simply able to say, I'm a Christian. Can I pray that God would bless you in that area of your life? Do you know what's really interesting is um, if you were to walk up to someone's house and say, could I share with you a three-point presentation of why um, you really need Jesus today? Now, they might say yes. But in some ways, that's quite a confronting ask. But to someone... I pray that God would bless you in this area of your life. You'd find that most people would be like, oh, I suppose so, or be very enthusiastic. It's like, well, why wouldn't I want God to bless me? So Lauren prays a blessing over these people's lives. Last Sunday, uh, Lauren met a new person who moved into his neighborhood. He's a Pakistani Muslim man, a young man, who also asked Lauren, what are you doing? <laughs> Lauren's like, I'm just praying blessing over the, over the community. And he said, oh, okay, well, you could pray blessing over me too. And he did. That man, we have a four o'clock service on a Sunday, brought his elderly Muslim parents along to the service along with himself simply because of that in interaction he had had with Lauren where he, he felt something, he sensed something, he experienced something, something of God turning to him and he was like, well, what is going on here? My wife and I have been doing this as well for the last couple of years. We moved into a house we built two years ago in the middle of lockdown, in um, the second lockdown, I think it was. And while people were locked away and we weren't able to knock on anyone's doors and make friends in that sense, we knew that there are no doors that are locked to God. While the physical doors may be closed, um, God is able to fling open anything. So we walked around our neighborhood on our street and we stopped outside each house and we simply prayed blessings over the people, over the families, over the relationships, over the schooling of the children, over the growth of the children. There's lots of babies on our street. We prayed for all of them that God would bless them, would bless the relationships between husbands and wives, parents and children, that people would experience wholeness and that ultimately people would be blessed with the knowledge of God turning to them in Christ, and that in turn they would turn to him. 
after a year of doing this, so one, one year ago, we started developing really, really beautiful, deep relationships with people on our street. And we felt like all of those years prior of praying blessing in the suburb and praying blessing in our street and praying, praying blessing over each family were finally starting to bear fruit, so much so that one of the families has become a family of believers on our street uh, and now currently engages with our church. There's a beautiful community forming on our street. And this is a really soft, easy start for people to see and experience something of God's kindness towards them. I wouldn't say it's full-blown evangelism, but in some ways people don't want to know how much you know until they know how much you care, and us expressing the love and care of God towards them. Let me tell you about one last story about using this approach of blessing people and asking God to turn towards them. Uh, I, I gym six days a week. Um, you may or may not be able to tell, but that's irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I do go to the gym six days a week. I've been doing that ever since I was 19 because I believe you've got to look after yourself. And uh, I talk to all sorts of people at the gym. And three years ago, I met a, a then 27-year-old young man. Let's give him a name because I won't give you his real name. Just make up a name. Fred or Billy, did you say? Billy. Let's go with Billy. So Billy was 27 when I met him three years ago. Uh, Billy's a concreter. He's a tradie. He's rough, uh, he's grown up in that area his whole life, Billy's got a complex history, uh, but Billy's there at the gym. And Billy starts telling me about his life and um, disclosed to me that he has a real issue with alcohol use and drug dependence. And I journeyed with Billy for about a few months after this and I invited him to read Proverbs with me in the Bible because I'm like, oh, you need a bit of wisdom in your life, son. You know, you need to need some need some wisdom. But then I, he he disclosed to me that he was still struggling with the same issues, and I thought, you know what, Billy, can I pray that God would bless you in this area of your life? And I thought, I'm just going to pray for this guy. And I said, I bless you with freedom, and I bless you with the freedom of God. I bless you with the peace of God with every, in every area of your life, especially these two. Just two weeks ago, I met Billy again, and he said, just wanted you to know that for the last seven months, I have been free of those things. And just more than that, I was thinking just today, and it's just funny, I bumped into you at the gym today, I was just thinking about you this morning, and I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> and he said, uh, you're the sort of person I want in my life. I thought, wow, he's a 30-year-old at this point, concreter, who's talking about feelings and wanting friends. Uh, that's not because I'm an amazing person. I think it's because he's experienced something of God's love for him through me. And I know that God does this through all of his children, where people encounter something of his love and blessing through us as believers that people want in some ways to hang around us. So I do this. Our whole church does this. It's one of those ways that we're starting to regularize in the way we live among people is to be a people of blessing towards other people. You know, when we pray for blessing towards other people, it doesn't just bless them. It blesses us too. You know why? It's because God starts to put his love in our heart for the people. When we pray for blessing for other people, we also start to change. It removes the hostile edge, which we can sometimes adopt towards people who don't know God, and actually creates in us a more favorable disposition, a caring, loving disposition, the sort of disposition that says, 
I'll cause God's face to shine upon you. And I want the best for you. I want you to flourish. So God, please bless this person. We're convinced of this because we're convinced God loves people. And we're convinced that he wants to love people through us. We're convinced that he has given us, his church, the power to speak and pronounce blessing over people's lives. That's a really, really beautiful yet weighty calling that we have as the royal priesthood in Christ. We can turn to the rest of humanity and the rest of creation and pronounce God's blessing over them. What I'd love for you to think about today as part of your thinking around mission is as you go about your everyday life, how can you develop a pattern or a habit or a reminder, a trigger to speak words of blessing either directly to the person or even from a distance and they don't know what you're praying or saying? What are some habits, triggers um, that you can use to remind you to approach life, everyday life, with a disposition of blessing towards other people. As you walk around the church building, one of the ways you could do that is to pray blessing over the ministries of this church. When you walk past the local school, just pause and pray blessing over everyone who works there and studies there. As you go into a coffee shop, there's a place before you step into you might pronounce blessing and bless the opportunities that God is going to provide for you in those places. Who knows what God could do in, in your life, in your witness, in your family, in your street, in your home, in this suburb, in the places you work, in the places you study. My prayer as we go about living this kind of life is that God would open up opportunities for people to experience renewal and revival and our prayers that people would ultimately come to know Jesus because they've tasted and seen of the goodness of God. So how about I pray that God would do that more in our lives, in our church, and in your lives, in your church. Heavenly Father, you have turned your face towards us in Jesus and shown us how gracious and kind and loving you are. You have shown us that you can both simultaneously uh, love us and be opposed to sin. And you've dealt with all of that on the cross. Lord, I bless us with a newfound confidence and courage that you truly love people and want to use us to share that love with them. So God, bless us with that courage as we go and bless others with a fragrance of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.